Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest is world-renowned industrial designer, Scott Henderson. Scott has hundreds of patents to his name, many design awards, and is featured on the CBS show, America by Design. So don't go away. On this week's tech news, it's all about Facebook. So one headline is that Facebook agreed to a settlement regarding the discrimination against U.S. workers. It agreed to pay $4.75 million in fines to the U.S. government, as well as up to $9.5 million to any of the victims of this discrimination. Uh, in addition, Facebook just announced that they will be changing its group name. So Facebook includes other apps like WhatsApp and Instagram. Facebook is taking the Google approach when Google switched the, the alphabet as its parent company. It is trying to move away from a lot of bad news. That is what we perceive. Um, things like the discrimination case, as well as that social media is not a healthy form of entertainment or communication. So we don't know what the name is yet, but it is going to be related to the metaverse. The metaverse is a concept that the next iteration of the web or web 3.0 involves virtual reality and virtual worlds that can be uh, connected to the physical world as well. I'm going to be talking about this a lot more in future shows. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my very special guest today is Scott Henderson. Scott is a world-renowned industrial designer. You've probably used his products and you may not even have known about it. He's had hundreds of clients, including Microsoft, Jordan Customer Solutions, Hamilton Beach, Intel, LinkQ, Skip Hop, Sunbeam, Oster, and the list goes on and on. Scott, so happy to have you on the show today. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Scott, you have done so much, and I've seen your portfolio. How did you get into this line of work? I was always into art, you know, when I was a kid. And I thought I wanted to be some kind of commercial illustrator or a painter or some kind of fine artist. Went to school for that. For I went into art, an art school after high school, thinking I, I was going to do that. And at that school, you know, it's set up very much like the Bauhaus. I mean, you might have heard of the Bauhaus, you know, in the uh, late 30s, a school that kind of invented this thing called the foundation year. And during that first year, you learn about all these other ways you could apply your interest in the arts and industrial design was one of those things so that was my exposure to it but ahead of that i had an appreciation for design when i was a little kid i was idolizing this artist named frank frazetta his compositions although they were extremely well done and beautifully painted and so forth were more than that because they were so well graphically laid out. There was design happening within that that made them really powerful beyond the uh, skill of the illustrations themselves. I had this appreciation for how to make imagery 
really impactful. Why? Why was it so impactful? You know, and it's because it's been thought through, and there's you know, there's tricks and things that play with the way our mind wants to experience things that make the result flow within our minds. So I've always tried to do design that way. How do I configure an object or an experience or something in a way that it's going to flow within the person that experiences it in their mind, you know, flow without hitting a right angle or a detour or a roadblock or something that will cause them to not appreciate the object will cause them to suffer through the experience or or not enjoy the experience so you want the experience whether it's a physical object which is sort of very aligned to like an abstraction like an ab- like abstract sculpture in a way uh, how do you configure that so that it meets the mind of the user with unimpeded flow. You know, I'm really into that idea because I feel like if you can achieve that in design, you can achieve what you would consider universal beauty. Like there is a way to do things, to design things where the vast majority of people out there will like it. That's counterintuitive because, you know, you, you always hear, well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder and it's very subjective, but I kind of believe that it's not as subjective as people think. Hmm. Say more about that. Uh, why is that you believe it's not as objective as people think? Because I feel that the way good design, the origin of a good design or a good experience is very related to physics and things that uh, happen in the natural world and the thing and the way that the universe itself is constructed and you can tap into that when you're kind of designing things create things that sort of will you know people don't know why they like certain things but they like it they can't put their finger on why they like it but there is reasons for it that's what I'm interested in. It's finding that consistency and, and the whys behind some of those very hard to articulate statement questions. Well, Scott, this is a great opening to the show. You've actually given me a ton of questions to follow up on your opening because uh, it's something that's been on my mind as I think about technology and the arts as well. When we come back, we're going to dive a lot deeper into that. Thanks for being here. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today is world-renowned industrial designer Scott Henderson, talking about how he got into this line of work, uh, what he thinks about design. We're going to talk about all things that you've been involved with, including I want to talk about the TV show. So if you got any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find Scott on scotthendersoninc.com, scotthendersoninc.com. And you'll also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest is Scott Henderson. Scott is a world-renowned industrial designer. In the earlier segment, he talked about how he got into the business, uh, talked about a few things I want to follow up with. And so, Scott, welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. 
So in the opening of the show, you actually had me intrigued. You talked about how you were in the fine arts at first. You thought about how you were uh, going to become an artist, and then you fell in love with industrial design. I have other stories to talk about with that, but in your mind, is it easier to monetize fine art or monetize industrial design? I think if you attack something with all of your uh, might, you can monetize basically anything. You know, you can uh, bring value to anything, focus on it singularly and with enough vision and passion, monetize anything. And, and that's the beauty, you know, of, uh, you, you know, you look at some of the biggest hits in design or phenomenons that have happened in certain markets and things. And you'd never, you, you're always, the big question is how on earth did they ever come up with that? Or how did they do that? And, you know, it's, it's certain channeling that happens in the brain following these breadcrumbs and where this path leads. And one thing is leading to another and another. And the more immersed you are in whatever it is you're trying to do, you eventually hit this like sweet spot, you know, and then it all makes sense to you. It crystallizes and you see then how you can compound and then it does start to compound. I don't think it's less easy to monetize fine art than it is design it's just how how hard and fast you attack it and how deep you're into it thanks thanks uh, great answer i have some parallels my father was a classically trained violinist and when he was a child he had a german italian jewish instructor living in shanghai and he would get beaten and the reason why i bring this up is when he came to the u.s to study he always talked about whether he should become a professional violinist. He was the concert master in the Hong Kong orchestra when he had left China as a kid into Hong Kong. Got his MBA from Berkeley, did the finance thing, ran Kaiser's pension funds. And it was always this concept that he had to choose either your passion, your art, and starve, the concept of a starving artist, or um, park your art and get a real job, quote unquote. And so since then, I always felt like I didn't have an artistic streak. And then I came into contact with a lot of artists and it was this idea, other friends who became industrial designers as well. And they still do art quote unquote on the side, but that they were feed themselves through their industrial art. And I think why I wanted to bring this up is I realized that I was creative in the type of technology deals that I do, the things that I get involved with. There's a parallel to being in technology where a lot of people in tech did not study technology. They came from a liberal arts background or other soft science backgrounds and they fell into it and their passion was really filled for their love of tech even though they didn't have a quote uh, a background in that. So a lot of what you're saying um, totally resonates that you will once you discover your passion you work on it you can monetize anything. Yeah 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 so, really no, right. So that's really the great insight for somebody with your caliber and your background expertise. It's all value. So if you find value somehow, and you can find value in anything, it can be fine art, it can be, it can be poetry, it can be, you know, or it can be some traditional thing that, but you just do it in a way that's unique. You bring value. Any, it's just, that's what it is. It's all about value. The more abstract something gets, the, the harder you have to think about it 
so that you can tell a story surrounding something that's very hard to talk about. And that's really the key too, is that if you can demystify something that otherwise it has always been mystical and hard to put words around, then that's value because you've explained something that, you know, previously was unexplainable. And then all of a sudden it's very interesting to lots and lots of people in the same way. And I think that's where what you said also earlier in the segment, the first segment, you're talking about how in terms of how you handle your art and the things that you create, that you know that there's things that resonate within the universe and within the human brain. I want to talk more about that. And then I'll, I'll maybe in this segment, the next one, we'll talk about the time to technology. Tell me more about how you discovered that. Was that innate or something that you discovered along the process? Well, I'm into this idea of, of flow and the flow state and achieving the flow state. I've just been thinking a lot about uh, how you achieve the flow state. And when you're in the flow state, your work is a thousand times better than it is when you're not in the flow state. And I think what's happening there is that you are accessing information that you've collected along the way, as you do with your day-to-day life, that you store in your subconscious mind as you attack a design problem or a painting or a sculpture or, or some new idea for a tech product or whatever it is. You're in this immersive environment, you're struggling, it's hard, you can't do it, you're frustrated, you think, oh, I'm never going to get there, and you, you attack and you attack and you, know, you crank music and you do things, create these diversions in your mind that take you off of the hardness for a second and then it unleashes something. It, and, and I think what's happening to achieve that flow state is that you've then created a little bit of a bridge over into this information that you have in your subconscious mind that you can then pull forward and use and and wield. So I think that's really interesting. It's like our brains are the 747 jet engine sucking information in constantly. And the difference between someone bringing value in a painting or sculpture or design or, or whatever it is they're doing is that they're they're consciously attempting to access information that most people discard and think is completely unnecessary. It comes in their minds the same way, but they're not trying to get at it again. You know, it's like it's kind of forgotten or it's dormant. I think that's really interesting. You know, we're all collecting this information constantly and the designer is, is trying to get back at some of the stuff that other people would maybe forget about. And there's a lot of great examples of this. Like if you look at uh, writers, for example, there's two kinds of writers, you know, there's pantser style writers, which means they write by the seat of their pants. And then there are outliners. But what's interesting is these pantser writers, they're inventing, they sit down and they just start writing and stuff starts filling up their page and they didn't even they didn't plan that they're surprising even themselves with what they're writing and so that's a concrete example of using information that's in your subconscious mind that you that we all have Uh, someone in the creative field is accessing this cancer style writer because they're able to and stephen king ernest hemingway You know, there's a lot of examples of these types of writers who never outline. They just sit down and start brain dumping and then 
the story starts to emerge and they don't, they didn't plan this, you know, they're surprising even themselves. So it's really interesting that the human being is capable of that kind of thing. Thank you so much for talking about the flow state. And how did you talk about what was the terminology for the writing method? Pantser. So pants, like we all, you know, wearing pants, yeah. writing by the seat of your pants is, is what would uh, be called pantser style writing. And uh, it's really interesting stuff because there's a lot of very, very famous um, Margaret Atwell, famous pantser writer. You know, she sits down and she just starts writing. She's not planning this stuff. And, you know, out comes the handmaid's tale. She did not, this was not pre-calculated. You understand? That's super powerful. It is. I'm going to come back to that when we get back in the next segment. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today is Scott Henderson, a world-renowned industrial designer, uh, hundreds and hundreds of patents to his name, many household brands that you would think of, Sunbeam, Oster, Vix, uh, Bionair, the list goes on and on. If you have any questions or comments, uh, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find Scott at scotthendersoninc.com. And we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest is Scott Henderson, a world-renowned industrial designer with hundreds of patents and credits and awards to his name. Scott is talking about his design philosophy, including using natural geometry and flow state. So don't go away. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to quickly talk about extensions used in browsers. So for instance, things like Chrome or Safari, you can add in extensions to help make your browsing experience more efficient, such as an ad blocker. Well, there's a case now where the ad blockers also then block ads, but inject its own adware. So just a tip to always be careful about what extensions you're using, because even though you think they're safe, they may not be. So always double check before installing an extension. And that's the cyber tip of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Scott Henderson, who has many credits to his name, including beyond being an industrial designer. Scott, I wanted to talk more. So welcome back about your TV appearance. What is your TV show, America by Design? America by Design is a show on CBS TV. We highlight design projects done by entrepreneurs, done by design firms, done by uh, regular people and done by real industrial designers and UX designers, you know, experience, user experience designers. We go all around the country and film these projects and how they happened. And, uh, you know, we, we bring this concept of design out to the masses. And it's got about an 8 million person viewership. And it's really, really important because most people out there don't know what design is at all, you know, and uh, they know what an architect is, for example, you say, what's an architect? They say, well, that's the person that makes a drawing for a building. But you say, what's design? And they have no idea. It's a really abstract word. You know, they think of wallpaper, they think of carpet sample choosing, or, you know what they think of? They think of the kindergarten table. 
They think oh. of they think of when you were back in kindergarten and you had that crayon jar that 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 can of crayons and the teachers telling you to draw something and all these kids are drawing scenes from the yard and the tree and their mom and so on and then these kids these other kids that can't draw their mom or their tree yet start drawing like a spirographical abstraction on the page and the teacher says that's okay that's design like literally no one has any concept of what industrial design is everything around us that we're sitting on interacting with holding in our hands wearing on our face some designer did that and that's what the show does it's it it shows that these objects these the coffee cup in our hand was purposefully conceived of and created and that and mass produced it's really good because design is really an abstract word and and no one knows what it is yeah i, I like that you mentioned that and congratulations on the show also congratulations on being the chairman of the industrial designer society of america International Design Conference, is that an annual thing or is that a perpetual role? Uh, yeah, it's an annual thing. And I was the chairman of that many years ago, but I'm, I remain very active with the Industrial Design Society of America. I write a column for their magazine, Innovation, active with their other, a lot of their other programs. So, yeah. I wanted to follow up. You, you taught me something new in the last segment about Panzer uh, style of writing about being in the flow state. I thought that was uh, super interesting. And I wanted to follow up in that as somebody who receives a lot of input in the technology world, I, I have the same ability where people say like, absorb all this information. Um, how do you synthesize that? That would be the, the follow-up question because you're receiving all this input. How do you actually know what to extract and then actually what to apply? You look for ways to tap into human aspiration. You look for geometry that feels right for whatever reason. That's, that's one really interesting thing for me is that if you think of like Euclidean geometry, you know, you know a man-made geometry, you know, like circles, squares, triangles, hexagons, things like that. Think of that as uh, something that human beings invented, you know, mathematics and so on. But it's really not, it's coming from nature, you know, like the hexagon is everywhere in the natural world that shows up all over the place. There's even a hexagon, a pure stop sign on the top of Saturn as a storm that's always there, will always be there until the universe explodes. There's this hexagon on the top of Saturn. Uh, when you cool lava from uh, a lava flow flowing off of a mountain into the ocean, it cools so fast it breaks up into hexagons, you know? These things that we think only humans have invented are really derivative of physics and, and things that are happening all throughout the natural world. So. You know, you start to think about sculpture, abstract sculpture, really abstract sculpture. The stuff that has risen to the top and that's in the Museum of Modern Art or in the famous sculpture gardens around the world. Why do those things read, read so resolved looking to, to such a wide variety of people when they're not derivative or not representational of anything? They're abstract. 
So why do those things need and, and do look right to us, look resolved to us? And it's because of these codes, you know, these things that are surrounding us that we're all picking up on and our subconscious mind is picking up on constantly. And as the designer, push your pen around that page or you reference mood board materials that you're, that you're you know, assembling as you're attacking whatever problem you're trying to solve. And things rise to the top for the same reason. Because you're you're tapping into this uh, this genome of the world. Is this some of the Fibonacci to the golden ratio? Those yeah, that kind of thing is derivative of, of that too. You know, why does abstraction read as resolved when it's not based on something representational? It's an interesting question. How up are you on technology like artificial intelligence? How how much do I work in that area? Or how up on you, like the, there's, there's a whole growing movement that art is going to be replaced by humans, uh, from humans to artificial intelligence. And that they're, the things you're talking about interest me because it's about patterns, it's about things that are already in nature, but that trying to build machines or AI to actually generate and the thought that it can recreate or at some point create art better than humans can. That's where we're Well, at. absolutely. You know, like in the design world, like I've always been a real heavy user of 3D uh, CAD geometry, you know, and, and now they have computational CAD, which you see in famous examples like the work at those architectural studios, Aha Hadid, you know, or other places where the CAD software is using AI to construct form well beyond what the human mind is capable of doing itself. And I think that's really, really interesting and it progressed to the point where you'll be able to put in certain criteria. Instead of parameters now, you're going to put in criteria. Like you need it to go 20 miles an hour and not break when it goes around a corner. You know, you're going to, you're going to be able to put in certain criteria and then the, the AI will, will design something for, spit out something for you. You know, that's definitely on the way. It's really interesting when you think about how, the, how much the human mind can stitch together before it gets lost. And it's only about three or four levels. So if you look at things in nature that look extremely complex, you can break those complexities down to simpler elements. And then those simpler elements are what more minimalist design is based on. Like if you look at the work of Felix Candela, who's an architect, it looks very organic at first. But if you take a Euclidean cone, a perfect cone, right? And you, then you take a plane, like a piece of paper, and you slice through that cone from the top, you're left with a very, very uh, abstract, very, very... Um, organic looking curve, an elliptical curve, you see? And that's the result of just two very simple shapes intersecting or bisecting each other. So then when you get 15 or 20 of those very simple occurrences bisecting each other, you come up with some sort of uh, result that looks, that, that looks completely out of this world. You know, completely organic. Like, how did that 
shape occur? Why did that shape occur? And, but it's because there's many layers of these much simpler things combining with each other. And that's what computational CAD can do, you know? So that's why you get these extremely spirographical, complex, webby looking shapes and, and, and things. What it's doing is it's take just it's just combining all these things, and the human mind would just get lost after about two layers. That's exactly what AI will continue to do in in design. But you know, there's like backlash to that. So like, hold on, I want to talk about the backlash in our final segment. So you're listening okay. to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host Keith Koo, special guest today is world-renowned industrial designer Scott Henderson. Uh, we're talking about a number of topics. You can always download our podcast at svn.biz. You can find Scott at scotthendersoninc.com, and we'll be right back to close the show. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my special guest is Scott Henderson of Scott Henderson, Inc., a world-renowned industrial designer. We've talked at length about all the accolades that Scott has, hundreds of patents and design awards, uh, the TV show America by Design on CBS. And in our last segment, we were starting to talk about how technology influences Scott's art and we're talking about computational CAD. Um, Scott, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. I've been really energized by it. I wanted to ask you, with the few minutes we have left, beyond computational CAD, what other tools or technologies do you think are going to come about? And also to answer the question, do you think it's that humans will be replaced by tech or it's going to be a, a form of uh, technology-aided human design? Well... I think there's there's like a you know as as we see computational CAD get become able to do incredible geometry and shapes and and I do believe that it will evolve into placing just putting in parameters that you need for you know a potential structural solution to actual functional criteria that can be inputted and then the uh, you know various algorithms and so forth, we'll be able to work on solutions, you know, that, that will evolve into that. Um, but at the same time, then you see all this backlash, you know, like uh, what's happening now as a, as a trend across the markets and consumer products and so forth is this um, sort of uh, return to the ultimate mm. simplicity, you know, simplicity. You look at motorcycles, say from the mid 2000s like the kawasaki ninja or something you know if i were to draw an analogy i would say super soaker you know or transformer and so on and now you look at what's the hot motorcycle brand you know it's like triumph and they're, they're trying the, the one that sells extremely well is the the t1200s and stuff which are the, the bonnie the bonneville and uh so it's it's like this return to classic chic and uh classicism with the twist and so on or if you look at like the water the hydration bottle industry and you know you look at the ones from the mid 2000s again like contigo or 
Camelback or whatever. And they have all this design going on in the handles and the straps and the spouts and then the covers and the this and the that and the grips and all that. And then you look at what's selling now, you see, you know, Swell Bottle and um, Yeti. So you think of Swell Bottle and you see Yeti and, and basically it's, it's a jar and a cap. That's what you get now for 40 bucks. You get a jar and a cap that goes on it. And it's as simple as can be. All of this tech and stuff does not necessarily yield or, or result in people wanting the, that output. You know, they, they can kind of backlash and go back to, well, I, now I want something simple. Now I want like the, something that looks like it was made on someone's workbench by hand. And, uh, and then that plays into things like, you know, ecological concerns. You know, you want to almost look and see, you can see how it was made by just a visual inspection. And there's no mystery to the manufacturing process. And so people want that because they can almost, it feels better to them from an ecological standpoint. So these are the factors that drive the markets, really, not the tech. We need the tech to help us with arrive at the solutions, you know, the, the big ideas, the big drivers of, of value, you know. Um, I'm glad you said that. There's a whole thought, because I'm in the tech world, that tech is going to ultimately replace humans. Um, I don't actually hold that position, but many of my friends, uh, many of the leading technologists do think that i i'm with you that there's still the human element that's what i the takeaway i got from what you're saying is that we can see that with kind of this backlash this thought that we're going back to more simple desires and times that it's always going to have the human element that drives uh, we even see this in technology that technology are just tools yeah that's really still the concept behind that yeah i can think of a good example of that actually a few years ago, there was a, an art exhibition at the Met Museum, Metropolitan Museum of Art, about uh, Michelangelo. They call it, it was called Michelangelo, the designer and the draftsman. One really interesting part of the exhibition were these three busts, that two of, two of which Michelangelo carved, and the other one was carved by this guy, uh, Andre Ferrucci. Right? And the Ferrucci one was exquisite. It looked like it was CNC machined. It was so intricate in its detail. It was uh, looked perfect. It looked it looked absolutely perfect, like it was created by some kind of technology or something. And then the the two Michelangelo ones were very rough, much rougher, and so forth. But the Ferrucci ones, the Ferrucci one looked like it was lifeless, like it you know, was literally static, like it was a statue, you know, and the two Michelangelo ones, in contrast, had energy trapped in them, you know, you could, they looked alive, they looked like they were about to move, you know, they had, and, and so this is energy that the artist or the designer trapped into this object 650 years ago, whatever. And it's still as powerful. It's still trapped in there. And so that's what designers can do. They can trap positive energy into their result. And then it's trapped in there and other people will experience it as if it was just as fresh as it ever was because the energy is literally trapped there, frozen there, and you can feel it. Yeah, that human element 
is strong and it can add a lot to an end result. You know, some of the best tech has it, you know, something that would, would otherwise feel very cold and uh, hard to understand has all this warmth because it has this energy trap. Yeah. Well, with that, Scott, I love it. That's a great way to end today's show. Thanks again for being on. I'd love to have you come back. Yeah, thanks. Really enjoyed it. So you've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today is Scott Henderson. If you want to find more about Scott, you can go to his website, scotthendersoninc.com. You can see all of his work and design. Um, if you have questions or comments about otherwise on the show, you can email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 